1: You and Patterson, what is the best flavoured crisp on the earth right now?
0: Oh shoot oh, from the man. I mean, you know, I've gotta shout out my my all timer, which is like the Doritos Chili Heat Wave. Can't yes. go wrong with those. They're yep. pretty great. But mm-hmm. I'm also a big ridged crisp fan. Um, <laughs> just a big ridge. You know those paprika walkers ones that you can get? It's mm-hmm. just like they are they are fabulous, and then uh, yeah, Pringles hurt me, mate. I used to have like a like a really bad Pringle problem, mm-hmm. which is a really funny set of words to say together in order.
2: They're
1: addictive. They, There's they legit hurt, something in them.
0: They hurt your insides, man. Mm-hmm. They tear them up. So I've had to forsake the Pringle life.
1: You know when you have like a whole tube of the salt and vinegar, and your mouth just sort of becomes like a catar, <laughs> and it's just like what? Why? What, <laughs> what is this?
0: Because I'm terrible. I just go for, like I know everyone swears by the uh, is it the sour cream and chive form? Yeah the the default salty pringles just i i've had them many a time and they um we had good memories together and i had to call a quits to the relationship had the they, paul
1: walker song on and see you again yeah except instead the of
0: paul walker it's a tube of pringles going off the other <laughs> side of the road <laughs> they popped
1: and then he stopped and um, for now though this has been the entitled this has been this is the beginning of the entire it's podcast. already over goodbye
0: it's, everyone <laughs>
1: this is all you get you uh, this is the ubp the ubp the, the UBP. ubp the entitled partner podcast i'm scott Tilford. that's you and patterson
0: Hey, it is. Hello, everyone. Hello.
1: Thank you so much for diving on. Um, Every single week, I never know whether Jules is available or not. Man lets me know during the week how many other meetings and guest appearances and whatever the hell he's got going on, he has going on. Um, And so thank you so much, you and Jenny, for dropping in here. And we had so many awesome questions because every single week, we ask people to submit whatever they'd like us to talk about, whether it be gaming things or whatever else is going on in the industry, in their lives, in the crisp world. It doesn't matter. We'll get through as many different things as we can. So first question from George Jackson, who says, Ahoy, lads. What's your thoughts on studios like Naughty Dog not giving any info on new games at all? They only released two new games across the 2010s, both absolutely stellar titles, but it's a shame to see such a great studio go radio silent. Also, Demolition Man is amazing, Ewan.
0: I know George is a patron of the Wheel of Dad Moody's podcast, which is very nice of him. And yeah, our Demolition Man chat, man, that's an irreconcilable divide we have made there. Yeah, there's a,
1: we've, uh, we've driven a wedge uh, amongst the populace, but go check out Ewan's We Love Dad Movies podcast, where uh, me and him debated the de- the majesty that is Demolition, man. The uh, the perfect <laughs> movie that is. Um, but yeah, in regards to like, release slates and stuff, this kind of comes, this question kind of comes in amongst all the chat about uh, the layoffs over at Naughty Dog. There was a lot of external contractors that were apparently working on the Last of Us Factions multiplayer game, the live service game, whatever the hell that thing was going to be. Um, various staff members have uh, been let go for that. And the latest conversation around that is that the game has actually been cancelled altogether, but it's very much in the rumours stage. Um, but that general idea of a certain echelon of game studio kind of keeping all their cards close to their chest. Where do you where do you come down on that? I want way more uh, openness. I would I would prefer making of documentaries every week. I would check in with the studios, whatever. <laughs> Um, I can only recommend the likes of Double Fine Adventure and the studios that have put fly-on-the-wall cam stuff out there, but it's always post-launch. But I would always welcome more um, openness and honesty into the realities of making a game, because it sounds impossible.
0: I I was going to say, I wonder if it's uh, just part and parcel of the way that the industry is now, that it's Mm. impossible for, for gaming studios to be more transparent, because we know that there's so much tumult and you know (laughs) this uh this 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 we we talked about in the in the the wind up podcaster this week about how like um the the last of us factions multiplayer game had been put on ice and now you're saying that it's probably been cancelled it's probably a reason why studios like naughty dog or even a rocksteady or all Brothers montreal or whatever i always go between them because obviously we know over the past eight seven six nine eight years Eight years has been since Arkham Night, and the ten years has been since Arkham Origins. That numerous games over the, at those studios got cancelled. We know that because we've had you know seasoned uh, industry reporters like Jason Schreier talk about the cancellations. Um, so it's difficult. I think it's it's one of those situations where, because game development is so volatile, we're all mm. absolutely begging for more information, and we want to know and be kept abreast of what's actually going on because radio silence doesn't inspire the the best of confidence at times that can mm-hmm. be quite frustrating but at the same time if they announce stuff early you get situations like the Knights of Republic remake where they announced it and they had the big trailer and there was always a fanfare behind it and it seems as if that project's been cancelled too. Yeah. I think this is more of an issue with regards to ballooning development times and the fact that we're waiting so long for games to get made now mm-hmm. that there is more risk in being open and transparent as a studio. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very frustrating. I think it's just the nature of, of game dev That's now. a really
1: good point that like, it's almost like they, <clears throat> they don't want to let anybody know what's coming because they can't even guarantee it's actually going to get there at all. Like, I always think of the likes of Scalebound, the amount of positive general reception conversation that was around that game way back on the Xbox One, and it just didn't make it. We had gameplay demos, we had trailers, we had everything. Um, you know in Fable Legends as well like that game was being played at press events and everything and then for whatever reason it just got canned Um, yeah there's a whole mess of issues regarding the production budgets and the reality of how long these things take and we mentioned it on the earlier podcast across the week about like you know when something gets greenlit now and it was Jason Schreier saying it that you're sort of planning games for the next generation of consoles which is ludicrous and the fact that Rocksteady until you just said that there I forgot it had been eight years since Arkham Knight the fact that we've not had anything else from them and the next game is the Suicide Squad service game which seems like it's going to die anyway. It's just a massive shame. Um, so yeah, I for me, like it, it's it's a wish it's a wish list thing. I would want a massive overhaul of how much money gets put into these projects. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm looking at a movie like The Creator, which is currently doing the rounds of something that's been budgeted very, very well. It's being held up against the, the bigger movies that do the rounds, the MCUs, the DCs, everything else, as a way to do a gorgeous looking movie, a top tier looking movie um, for a fraction of the cost. And you would hope that gaming gets there as well Um, because I just want these creatives to put more stuff out I would much rather have five smaller games from Naughty Dog staffers and Naughty Dog creators um, than one every sort of six years or whatever it is (laughs) Uh, and same with Rockstar
0: like yeah Rockstar I was going to say as well with Red Dead Redemption 2 again my favourite game of all time an absolute labour of love a masterpiece that was crafted over many 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 years however at the same (laughs) time even though I would love a Red Dead Redemption 3 that is just as big and as detailed and as you know infinite in scope as that game Mm -hmm. I'd also much rather have like loads of little Red Dead Redemptions. Like, you could have done a smaller Sadie Adler off. You could have done this and that. Mm-hmm. People will say, oh, maybe they'd be milking it at that point point." you'd get bored of it. But I think there is a, a point in time at the minute, you know, stoked by conversations around games like AC Mirage, mm-hmm. where I do wonder if people become more aware of the process of well there's a happy medium isn't there between like annualized annualized games that come out all the time and like very little innovation between them like the like the fifas or the fc24s now or the the call of duties or whatever and the really long you know triple a titles that take forever i think we're just in a situation now where it's almost like we're, we're reaching a critical mass of how big these games are and at what point does the industry and studios and publishers? How much money are they willing to put up front for a game that they're not going to see their investment returned on for mm-hmm. nearly a decade? You know, there's, there's, it's just, it's no other industry I feel, entertainment industry I feel, is working like that currently. No, they're getting their profit turnarounds much more quickly, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure that that the industry is reckoned with that at the minute because it still must be working obviously and that's why you're getting more live service games so they can tick over the funds in the meantime between entries coming out but Mm -hmm. yeah it seems as if it's um there is a there is a ruction rating to happen with all this
1: it feels like there's, like there's a hope that if we do put all of this money into this massive, long uh, production cycle and we have all this marketing and all this hype and whatever else, that it all pays off and everyone goes home at the end and they never make anything ever again. Like, in regard... And especially on the shareholder side. It's, all oh, we, oh, we cashed in. We did really well. And they're not in it for the creative side anyway from the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where the amount of money that circles these projects and we see them... So many of them go sideways. Like, the likes of Cyberpunk, even though that game has, has recovered, quote-unquote, especially in regards to the, the new critical response, the DLC... And things it was revealed that they lost well they spent 125 million trying to get it back on track again and their um, investor value is way down for cdpr and it's like that overall conversation of like this could have all been avoided based on better managerial decisions i know it's not a live service game but um that game's multiplayer has largely been cancelled which would have been their live service continuation of all the mechanics and everything but um yeah i just i think it's one of those things where the industry has chased the tech industry for a while like shinier graphics better rendering greater physics mechanics etc which i do want but they've not really made it manage along the way. And I think we're hitting such a, a weird point at the minute where, like, the last couple of weeks or the last month or so has been dominated by layoffs, studio, um, just various stories about studio layoffs and just the amount of um, people that were brought on board across the pandemic to do even bigger games. They're just It's not sustainable. Um, so yeah for me it's I don't know if it's just the nostalgia or whatever but I feel like the industry I grew up with was in a healthier state um, and you mentioned Mirage before we have a couple of questions about that and I've been playing it um, and we'll get to them but something like Mirage is at least to me proof that we don't not everything needs to be a 100-200 hour game you can just do a game for a reasonable price point and it can be over in a weekend and that's okay Like, it doesn't need to take up the rest of your life or the rest of the couple of months or something. Those games can exist too, but not everything needs to be there. Next question from Dan Taylor who says, Hi lads, I recently started playing GTA 4 for the first time. While I'm loving it so far, the driving is definitely not to my taste. With this in mind, has a single mechanic ever stopped you from enjoying an entire game? I was trying to think of a pun there for a mechanic NPC that got in the way, but I can't think of one, so it's going to have to be an actual game mechanic. I will back the GTA 4 thing though. I I, I don't know what you came down on that discourse at the time, but like <laughs> I I hated the driving in GTA 4. It didn't put me off the game altogether, but um I never got on board with it. How honestly sk- squirrelly it all was. Right.
0: Like- I, I didn't I, having played GTA V, where the driving is obviously so much better and crisp and buttery smooth and stuff and more responsive, I totally understand why people would not like the driving in GTA Four. However, the floatiness of the vehicles in GTA Four, like to do really fun cinematic like uh, drifts That's around true. corners and like classic like Friedkin-esque like French Connection car mm. chases, where you're like, Aah! so <laughs> I do kind of like that, even if it is way too bouncy and and floaty. There is definitely a game out there which has caused me enough frustration because i didn't like one specific thing about it mm-hmm. i think i bounced off shadow of war very quickly due to the um the the army management stuff where yeah, you had to, yeah like where back when it first came out i remember being so excited for that game playing it and mm-hmm. uh be- before they re- excised all the uh the, the micro transaction stuff mm-hmm. i saw all of that and i was like You've literally turned what was was a very streamlined, really well-polished, well-made open-world game. You've introduced a bunch of grindy mechanics, which just weren't for me at all. I completely Mm -hmm. bounced off that. Orc um, boxes, my friend. And I still haven't come back to that since they fixed it all, which I know I really should do, but I literally was so upset that I traded it in like a month after <laughs> buying it. Um... See, that
1: game, like I, I beat it up at the main story and it was like, I never done any of the end game stuff because that was where the grind really came in because it was just incentivizing you to pay your way through to get the best army to do those mini games and everything. But I still think that that game's mechanics, like the, the guts of how the AI works and the guts of how it generates enemies based on how you kill them and everything. I think that stuff is so cool. Oh, and it hell sucks yeah. that monolith didn't do anything else with it or weren't able to because I know it was, like, patented and everything um, from the top down. Like, assumedly their Wonder Woman game will be the next version of that where you're turning people and things (sighs) like that. But it's been so long. We talked about Rocksteady before. Monolith, I mean, Shadow of uh, Mordor was 2014. Shadow of War was 2017. 2014? I know! (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous. Um, In terms of uh, something that just I couldn't vibe with, uh, there was a new game called Fort Solace. Um, Which should have been everything, I ranted about it in some other podcasts, but that game, um, it it forces you to walk everywhere, and it's one of those things where it's only about four hours long, if that, anyway, and I don't know if the devs were just like, look, if anyone does anything more than a saunter, they're going to finish this in about 20 minutes, so they just make you walk everywhere, even when threats are kicking off, even when you've got to save a character, or get away from something, or whatever and it's not necessarily a mechanic but they enforce it so much um, and the way that game's map works it's all really slow animations and everything it's like if, if Red Dead 2's camp pacing was a whole game it's that and after a while I was like I totally get what you're going for and the art direction is gorgeous but this thing is painful to play it was a slog to get through
0: I actually have a more accurate response to this one as well uh, when the Lego games introduced their dynamic split screen uh, oh yeah Like I used to love the Lego games when they were like you you both shared the screen together, and I remember mm-hmm. when Lego Indiana Jones two came out, and I loved the first Lego Indiana Jones, probably my favorite Lego game. I mean, I love Lego Batman mm-hmm. 2 as well. I think those two are my my two favorites. Um, but when they introduced dynamic split screen, I just remember playing it with my dad, and we were both so disoriented by this rotating screen. <laughs> it would rotate, figure- <laughs> and it's 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 so annoying because they've largely kept that since. I think I, I think the uh, the 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 Skywalker saga was different, where it's like you just had two like split screens in general so mm. obviously the whole the whole idea with that is that you're not restricting people you don't have to walk with your mate to go everywhere mm. but i think that was fine. I didn't have an issue with that. Like, I thought it was fine to be stuck in in the similar spot on the levels. I know it maybe it opens up more game design aspects to them, um, mm-hmm. which would make sense to me if they had online co op as well, because then you could actually like do that with other people and you wouldn't be restricted by the screen space. Mm-hmm. But definitely, when Lego Indiana Jones Two came out, I jumped out of that immediately because of the split screen. We just couldn't we couldn't crack it.
1: Yeah, my thing is like it depends. Like if the, if the core of what I'm doing is satisfying, I can largely put up with quite a lot. Like I I played all of Anthem and finished that game's whole story like it was just the it's just certain things like mine tends to not necessarily be a specific mechanic it tends to be like like they roadblock a story point and go mm. do, like, i hate when any game and zelda used to always do this where it's just sort of like okay then you're right at the end of the game there's five more fetch quests go find the five items and to make the key to get through the door to talk to the dude that you want to do the thing mm. i hate stuff like that if um that's sort of like general setup for things. Um, question from Jack Asbury, who says, I know he's been back a while, but I just want to say it's great seeing and hearing you. And again, what brought, what brought you back to what culture?
0: Oh, Other than a... me
1: kidnapping you with a giant burlap sack. Yeah,
0: Scott literally bundled me in the back of his mystery you machine. You can't get away. You can't get away. That's a really nice thing to say. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, on that question, as as far as I can like actually like say and stuff, um, I definitely missed the video side of things. So I mm-hmm. left what culture in 2021 um which people have been keeping up on my me social media will know that was that was kind of a wild year oh. for me it wasn't a great year lots of mm-hmm. not fun stuff happened my dad passed away and there was just loads of like covid lag we were still kind of working from home and not really oh yeah no. it, there was lots of stuff going on there and i think for me at the time i needed to get more experience wider in the industry because what culture was my first job i went mm-hmm. away and did that i also needed to kind of think to myself like what is it that i actually want to do am i a comics person, am I a gaming person, am I a film person? Um, and over the course of like the last couple of years, I basically gained some value perspe- valuable perspective um realized that I missed the video side of things a great deal miss mm-hmm. working with my friends as well um and the way it just it just shook out it it, it worked out pretty well i think there there are certain changes that've been made and other stuff so yeah I think in general um it just made sense to come back because yeah and and, and right now I'm like super happy I'm working on like doing film for the for the main channel and film is mm-hmm. like I've, I've kind of Realize is like my main big passion because I've been burnt out on superheroes quite a lot recently oh, God, and yes. I didn't fancy the idea of going <laughs> back into that world. Mm. Um, and I can still do gaming stuff on the side because I have my little niches within gaming. So mm. the current situation is, is working out quite nice. I, I genuinely just think it was the case of like your tastes as a person change over time. Totally. Um, and I couldn't really just... Superheroes and comic books, and then also Star Wars. It's just I'm so burnt out on that stuff. There are still mm-hmm. certain things that I'll enjoy, like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is obviously an amazing time. Uh, obviously, like you know, I'll have a space in my heart for the old stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it just yeah, like um, film is the thing that I want to focus on. An opportunity opened up here to do that again. Um, and he
1: climbed back into the sack himself.
0: Yeah, and there's the the office as well, which is fantastic. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's um it it feels.
1: Yeah,
0: no, no, Without going without going like massively off the deep end <laughs> about why it's just like it just it just made sense is the short answer.
1: Yeah. Also, I absolutely love you, and I was so glad to have you back. And <laughs> things like this are lush. Um, and yeah, also shout out to Josh Brown. Like the ability for you and to hop on things is mainly because Josh is taking some time off. But you was the first person I asked and wanted to have on um, to help out with the pods, help out with the videos, news, etc. And um, yeah, it's lush. I mean, we go back like ten years now. It's been a long while since we oh, were first in touch. Maybe nine it's,
0: years. it's Eight. A- eight years eight years you were still in uni and then it was like the beginning of 2015 2015. right yeah because you were covering
1: Arkham Knight and everything but like yeah that was way back when uh, Ewan was still in uni and like I was still building the channel and everything and so I like circulated an email around and we got in touch and then it was like Ewan's awesome at everything can we please get him on board and then everything came together (sighs) after that So, uh, so yeah man it's been awesome to have you back like genuinely it's lush Question from Matthew McGowan, who says, in general, do you prefer chunky, weighty, heavy combat that feels impactful but risks being slow or boring, Dark Souls God of War 2018, or fluid, smooth combat that feels graceful but risks being floaty or weightless, Ninja Gaiden, Devil May Cry, or Spider-Man?
2: Oh. See,
0: I think Spidey's combat feels punchy. I think it depends on how, like, you... How it's implemented. Like, Batman Arkham is very fluid and stuff, but the way the vibrations and the control and everything and the animation the noise design and everything the way when you make impact that Mm -hmm. still feels Mm -hmm. punchy to me Um, it's so
1: to me it's worlds away from the soulsian trend oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. I think I think it's honestly for me it's a matter of like how it's executed kind Mm -hmm. of like in terms of presentation. If you mm-hmm. can make you can make the floaty stuff feel punchy, if you like feel the sword entering the enemy's guts and like you you hear all the viscera and stuff. But nineteen yeah,
1: inches of viscera.
0: I guess I, I... <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I do enjoy the slower stuff too, though. Like I think there's um, there's a me- uh, methodical satisfaction that comes from learning learning an enemy set patterns and being patient, figuring out how to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess yeah, the-, the satisfaction for me is more derived from like the the presentation side of things and necessarily oh. the uh, being a-, a god and being able to wipe out a set of people or have mm. to be really methodical and cautious and stuff I don't know
1: my like f- for me where I am right now and I've played all this everything all the Souls games all the spin-offs everything else I am sick to death of that model and I think overall like I- I'm a Matrix kid I'm a slow motion wall flipping like give me all the fun moves kid so like I want to take out a platoon of enemies in a really cool fancy way and then I want to stand at the end sheath the sword and they all fall over at the same time or something like that like I'm into that stuff so like um, give me DMCs Ninja Guidance I love all the different moves that you get in Spider-Man, um, so I prefer <clears throat> the latter in this case. I, I'll, I'll prefer. I love acrobatics and athleticism and combat models. I want to be able to show off. Like I want to have a a, a, d- a definitive sort of arc from when I when I started as a character and, and maybe a few hours in where I'm more comfortable and I'm putting more flair into my combat and everything. Um, but it's just because I was raised on movies that had loads of slow motion in. I'm loving Mission Impossible too. Like it's I'm, I'm that guy. So it's uh, I always love that stuff and I feel like as much as the Dark Souls stuff, the God of War, the over the shoulder thing has its place and has kind of reminded a lot of developers to make really meaningful encounters, especially one-on-one stuff, I'm personally a bit sick of it. And I think one of the the um, telltale signs that it's, it doesn't necessarily fully work was in God of War. They had to map the a 180 spin button to like down on the D-pad. And it's like because if the camera's that tight, you just can't manage the groups of enemies that well. And after a while, I'm like, I want to def- put the sword behind my back and block the thing that's coming in. Then I want to whirl around and do cool stuff. And it's like, sometimes you just can't do that. Or at least no, de- no developers really um, honed that in the Dark Souls model. So it's, um, I think there's a game coming up called, um, I think it's Phantom Blade Zero, that um, seems to me- mesh, um, mesh the two a little bit. In the trailer, it was very Soulsian, but then they did have group fights and things like mm-hmm. that. I love, and you'll remember um the x-men origins no no x-men origins wolverine um x2 wolverine's revenge yes when you could take on like three dudes at once or four dudes yeah. at once if you were positioned right and i'm like i love stuff I like think,
0: that i uh, think jedi survivor does that really well where you have yeah. like obviously the souls influences but you can still take on multiple people confidently once you've gotten to grips with the mechanics and like you know mm-hmm. if you mix in the different stances together you can like integrate co- crowd control or you can take on a bunch of droids at the same time and stuff so that Mm -hmm. works better to me um yeah there's definitely i think there's a balance isn't there there's always a thing
1: in Souls games about like lock-on etiquette as well like you do want to be locking on and delocking to <clears throat> go between groups or go yes. to um, single enemies and stuff there's always a way to do it but yeah overall I'll take I'll take flippy <laughs> ridiculous over-the-top stuff as much as possible um, question from Paul McSoul who says first off hope everyone enjoyed the wedding secondly which we should shout out massive shout out to Rich Hudson and now Amy Hudson for finally getting married Rich Hudson one of the most valuable members of the channel over the last 10 years um, dudes over at Frontier Games doing his dream job working on all the roller coasters and everything it's like i don't um, think i
0: could have more happiness for one man <laughs> i'm not gonna
1: lie man uh, i teared up twice it was like Richard's vow bit and uh, and amy's bit i was like you know when you're just so happy the two people are together it's beautiful And um, shout out to them uh, go find them on social media rich hudson um over on twitter slash x and give them a shout out um but McSoul says in honor of young richard what is the best or who are the best married couple in gaming now this is an interesting question. Hardly any people are actually fully married in gaming. Most of the time, they maybe they get together at the end. <sighs> um, I'm going to go with Geralt and Yennefer, but I know they're not like formally married, but they're very much a married couple.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Especially
1: by the end of the Witcher three. I guess it depends who you pick, but I was I went full fully Yennefer.
0: The best married couple in gaming uh, is my Skyrim wife because she puts up <laughs> with so much. Nah, uh, maybe, you know Nate and. Um, uh, Elena from Uncharted? Yes, I, was, yeah, I couldn't yeah. think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nathan like, and Elena. I yeah. like again, like as someone who doesn't really care for the first three Uncharted games, I think the the way their relationship is presented in the fourth game yeah, that's 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 pretty good depiction the marriage. In yeah, games. I really yeah. like that one. Um, I quite
1: like for that as well, that whole initial trilogy, they held back on them like making out and being over the top and it's all will they, won't they and whatever. And at the very end of Uncharted 3, they walk off together. And I always thought that was quite a nice way of doing it. It's like they go off into their future together. And I always love the, um, as the credits roll in Uncharted 2, it's just all on the chemistry um, of the two characters. And it's like, yeah, that should be more important or it can be more important than just showing people getting together by default just because we have the two main characters kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's way better than the, the you know, because I feel like married couples in games is a recipe for like, oh no, my wife died and now I'm motivated to kill people. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's, um it's always good when that isn't the case and a healthy relationship is actually, you know, depicted. You could mention <laughs> like, you know, John and Abigail uh, from Red Dead 2. Yeah, ciao. Um, it's mm-hmm. yeah, not I... that
1: much when you really think about it. Like it, like you said, mm-hmm. most of the time it's motivation or it's something that happens at the very end of the game or whatever. Um, but I, I love Geralt and Yen's chemistry. I love how much Yen just grounds Geralt and uh, just sort of just tries to bring him in. Whereas, like, It depends how like, you want to play that character. Um, but I really like that chemistry. um question from rex wolfley who says with the current state of lifesavers games would it be better to just take the voice performances from suicide squad and pivot into a dc animation project instead would hate for this game as it currently looks to be the last performance for kevin conroy
0: Mm, yeah it's um it's it's a shame that it's panned out this way i feel Mm. like there was a version of this game, and obviously it isn't... I, know, I think we should make the clarification here that it isn't a live service game. It is a co-op game, primarily. Right now,
1: they're apparently overhauling it, yeah, to remove... Yeah, so, so it's, think, it's, it's yeah.
0: basically a co-op story game. Um, mm-hmm. In a similar way to the way Gotham Knights was, where you had certain live service elements integrated... But it was a cop story, and again, in Gotham Knights' case, I think this is a good point about like contextual, like sometimes life service elements would have worked. If they that Gotham City that they built for that game mm. would have been perfect to plug in certain events and things into. And the DLC they ended up going with was like a a horde mode type raid thing, which is again, it was fun to play, but just not, mm. you know, the, the the great thing about Gotham Knights is like, oh, I'm getting to patrol this great Gotham City, and crimes will come up, and I can interrogate people and find clues and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. how I would have done it. The Suicide Squad. Um, I think presentation-wise, like, there is, there is a lot of good stuff here, but also I think tonally it's quite antithetical to the universe that Rocksteady has created. Um, it's very irreverent, quite Deadpoolian. Um, like, obviously there is some funny stuff in there. I laughed so much at the reveal trailer where King Shark is seeing Superman in the sky and he's like, it's Superman! He's actually going to save those people! And then he kills them. Um, (laughs) Personally, it's it, it's difficult for me to talk about this because like the Batman Arkham games is so deep and personal to me, um, mm. and this game is pretty much like nothing that I I would never have wanted this from Rocksteady. I don't no. I'm fed I'm sick to death with evil Superman stories in general. Like a, and again, you know, we were talking again, plugging the wind up podcast, I think mm-hmm. talking about how game development cycles means that developers are capitalizing on trends pretty much at, at, sometimes they can lead to a situation where you're capitalizing on a trend that has since died out. Mm-hmm. Um tonally, I think that's the case of Suicide Squad as well as the gameplay sort of things, because I think everyone in general, like is fed up with evil Superman stories that like we had in Justice. Um, we had Dark Red Eyes Henry Cavill in I'm making him something like a Yu-Gi-Oh card in Justice League. Um, <laughs> and now obviously with the James Gunn and Peter Safran universe, they're leading into the idea of Superman being a hopeful optimistic hero, which I think is how he should be presented. I don't know. I think it's it's just difficult to get excited about this because we had the Suicide Squad tease at the end of Arkham Origins, which was a WB Games Montreal um title. They were going to do allegedly. They were going to do a Suicide Squad game of their own that reportedly got cancelled, and it just feels like Warner Brothers were like Rock City, do Suicide Squad and everything. That I just look at this, <laughs> you'll it, make it work. It just it doesn't it it doesn't feel like that, and it, it again like it is a shame that this is Kevin Conroy's. Um, I mean, he, I'm sure that he's done an amazing job in it, and then, like yeah. the voice acting overall, it sounds wonderful in the game, and like presentation wise, that that that's all good. Um, because but yeah, the it's the just, timeline it just, wise
1: but mm-hmm. oh, sorry just like a timeline wise this is meant to be the same bruce from the end of arkham knight who yes, survived so and, so there's, yeah.
0: there's so many weird questions about this like is at the end of arkham knight obviously spoilers for an eight-year-old game there but at the end of mm-hmm. that bruce wayne um fakes his death and then it's revealed in a post credit sequence that he is taking on a new mythological version of batman and there's loads of stuff here where I... Oh God, I could go into a whole rant about this. It's probably worth doing an editorial about this. we we'll could do a video on it, If yeah, you're yeah. But down for it, because mm-hmm. the way the Batman Arkham series started off, it was like Paul Dini, who was one of the brainchilds of Batman the animated series in the 90s. It was very much his thing. There were certain, mm-hmm. obviously, huge, almost 90s Legends of the Dark Knight comic influences here. But mostly it was made in that b mould. You had Conroy back, you had Hamill, you had Arlene Sorkin, who has also since sadly passed away. You had Tara Strong. Um, and in Arkham City, like, Paul Dini set up a bunch of stuff that was ongoing in the comics that he was writing at the time. So you recall that in Arkham City, um, you can find uh, Hush and he's got Bruce mm. Wayne's face. That was an arc that Paul Dini had written in the comics a few mon- a few years prior to um, literally, literally just a year before Arkham City had come out, okay. um, and then you get to Arkham Knight, and it's almost like Paul Dini wasn't involved in that, he wasn't asked to return as far as, as I'm aware, I think he spoke about that, uh, and then you have Roxley dovetailing into what I think is quite a cliched and rote depiction of the character, and leading into cliches like, oh, the ba- Bruce Wayne is just a mask, Batman is who he is deep down, and he comes away and he becomes Batman. So I think at this point in time I'm just concerned about I'm tired of this depiction of the DC mythos. So to answer the question in a really long-winded way, <laughs> um, me, personally speaking, I think there is a lot in Suicide Squad that looks, on an aesthetic level, I can see a lot of hard work and effort has been put into this version of the DC universe. It's just not my cup of tea, as Spike Lee would say. No.
1: It's one of those things as well where like, I know it's more on the Marvel side but um, one of the stories that broke across the last couple of days was that the the, the Daredevil writers have all been let go from the Born Again TV yeah. show and the, the general sort of write-up that behind the scenes when it comes to Marvel, only now are they appointing showrunners and appointing creative leads to be able to lead the the various projects. And it, to me, that felt like it spoke to the, the feeling that a lot of us have had for a good few years now of the studio executives are leading the fray. Like, just do this. This is the thing the kids like. Just do this. This will make all the money. Um, and there's not really a, a backbone or an integrity to any of those those things and I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was along the way what led to the and I know that this particular Suicide Squad game has been in development since 2013 if you go all the way back the idea of a Suicide Squad game um but it's just one of those things where it just feels so nakedly trying to be for the kids like even the the way that the characters move um is Fortnite. very Fortnite, <laughs> yeah and it's just it just is that thing um and so i think you know because it's been development for so long it is just part of a bygone era and it'll to, to me i'll be amazed if it doesn't go the way of the saints row reboot um but i guess we'll see what happens in regards to kevin conroe like you said you and like the his performance will be the, the probably the best thing in it um but i think most of the character writing and everything will I guess the performances side of it will be solid but um, yeah it's a weird thing I think at this point at least for me just get it out and we can get past it and maybe there are salvageable elements of it but um, their decision to delay it a whole year and try and gut it and there's, change there's the genre no, like, I, I, nah. d- I
0: don't see how you you've got the skeleton and musculature there i'm not sure how much you can re-jig that to be anything mm. like and again like not to go off on about it because i've spoken about it before but mm-hmm. like giving them all guns he's called captain boomerang he's not called <laughs> he's not called captain gun captain gun uh, king shark i want to bite people as king shark i don't to be using mm-hmm. like guns and stuff it just feels it just feels like you're shoehorning in dc characters into a different game
1: it's very Avengers as well, where it was like we need to have a, a set of skills, like giving like Hulk a ranged attack or whatever, giving Kamala Khan a ranged attack, so she just her palm just goes way out into the the distance. But at the, least the at
0: least they committed to their powers there. Like playing as the Hulk yeah. in Marvel's Avengers, I felt like I was playing as the Hulk. Captain America's shield stuff was all really fun. Iron Man had mm-hmm. a lot of cool. Ability. And even if they could do a lot of the same things together, they. We're still using abilities that were their powers. Like
1: that's true. That's very true. I just mean, it ended up becoming like limiting yes. for the levels because it was like yeah, everyone yeah, needs yeah. to be able to get through yeah. here. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what state that thing arrives in next year. Um, question from KTM421: Who says afternoon? Hope all is well. Question for me for Scott is: what's my thoughts and out of ten for Assassin's Creed Mirage? And also, is Ubisoft showing that you can really? La, 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 la. Is Ubisoft showing that you can still make a good and enjoyable fifteen to twenty hour story experience for a lower price than the massive? 100-hour stories that we get for £70. Um, I'm still playing through Mirage I'm about 15 hours in um, I think it's awesome like I think it's exactly what I wanted it to be it is very standard for an Assassin's Creed story um, it is literally just Bas- uh, Basim finds the you know the hidden ones it, it's the, before they're called the Assassin Order and everything and um, gets recruited becomes an assassin and then at least that's as much as I've done so far and from <laughs> general discourse around the game it seems that's pretty much it apart from apparently at the very end they start tying things back into uh, Valhalla which was in itself very over the top especially when it came to Basim and the main characters Thank <laughs> you. But that's I don't like. I'm fine with a game that I can finish in a weekend or a game that I can finish in a week, um, and something that feels focused and just feels like everyone who was on board knew what they were making. Um, It's categorically the opposite of the Suicide Squad game, Um, and it's very very simple. And it it harkens back to the the mid sort of 2000s and late 2000s and the 360, the PS3 era, where we got so many of those games that just knew what they were um, from beginning to end. And I'll personally take that. And so um, it's one of those things where it is very much the 2007 original assassin's creed with the gameplay editions of the the specific things from syndicate unity etc um but personally i'm there for it i've been with assassin's creed since the beginning and i'm happy that they're just doing one like that even though you just have to add the little caveat that it is glorified dlc and chances are the next assassin's creed will be more like odyssey origins valhalla again um, but yeah, out of ten for now. I mean, it's probably like a seven or an eight. Like I just, it's it's not doing anything wrong. My overall golden rule is just what were they going for? What did they nail? And they nailed everything in regards to doing a, a throwback Assassin's Creed. So I I can't really point you know many issues at it. If you like the original, you'll like this um but yeah overall as well i mean what's your thoughts on because i mentioned like before the idea that i would i would take so many more smaller yeah. installments um do you like this as a, a potential model for the industry
0: yeah absolutely i mean I, i'm one of those guys who really hated the new direction that assassin's creed went in i think that mm. syndicate is probably the most unfairly maligned game in history because it didn't stand a chance after the the yep. bollocking that unity took which <laughs> is a shame because i think syndicate is one of the, the, the strongest games in the series one of the most immaculate yeah, you know historical recreations that they had there with Victorian london and I think there was a place for that gameplay formula. I know other people disagree, But Assassin's Creed to me was never going to be like an RPG where you have to hit people and their numbers will go down or you can't hit this guy because his numbers aren't right or whatever.
1: I was say, when they made it so that stealth kills had to be level-based, which thankfully they've taken away in Mirage, but yeah, that was the turning point.
0: I think it's just, um, yeah, I I, want to see more of this from Assassin's Creed. It's not good. Again, I haven't picked it up. It's going to be something I'm going to wait to come down in price even more just because it seems like it's... There's a lot of games coming out recently (laughs) that I feel like I can wait a little bit longer for and I can get them when they come down a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah like i think i think we need more stuff like this i think that, like you mentioned before like it's a case of you know we're we're totally down for shorter experiences that are more digestible mm-hmm. i never want to hear the words um it gets good after 18 hours in someone's <laughs> review ever <laughs> again because that is just obscene um that's yeah, a lot of time to think that okay well the, the first 18 hours were a complete bore but you know then it gets really good at the end and no one wants Once you stockholm
1: syndrome yourself in yeah. and it's like well i'm here now yeah
0: yeah, exactly.
1: There's ways to do it. I think for Assassin's Creed, like you said, it had this it's had this insane sort of shift where they just started making Witcher games. And we had three Witcher games. I really like Origins. Um, Odyssey is great to a point. I think um, Cassandra is the best character they've had in that whole trilogy. Although, although um, Bayek is awesome as well. But it's just that halfway through Odyssey, it just becomes ridiculous. They just throw the story out the window and start doing ludicrous things with time powers and everything else. Um, But it's one of those things where if you grew up on Assassin's Creed and you quite like that mix of old and new, um, Mirage is very much the old. It's just sticking to one time period. It's all set in Baghdad, at least so far. Um, But I think there is a franchise identity there that they've sort of, they've kind of pulled it and stretched it and made it really thin and weird. But I think there is always something there. Like it is a a cool IP when done well. Um, The idea of just Assassin's Through Time is a cool idea. Um, Question from Nelson Fowler who says, I haven't heard a podcast or seen a video with us talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I would love to them thoughts and explanations on that game, video or podcast. When, when I'm further through it, that game doesn't end. I'm like 35 hours in. I'm in Act Two. Um, the main channel's Adam Strawn is like begging me to finish this. We can talk about it on a podcast. I'm thinking that's when I'll do it. At the minute, because the game is so humongous, Jules won't touch it. He's like, I'll never, I'll never work again if I start playing that. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I'm kind of just waiting for someone to bounce stuff off, um, but I still need to get through it. So where I am at the minute, I'm in the underdark. I know fans will know that, um, and I'm just doing loads of stuff with some prison tower. And I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. You and I've got, <laughs> I've got to get a thing out of my head. But now we're talking about overthrowing a throne room. I just, I don't know. I'm doing that, and then at some point I'll hit the credits, and then I'll have things to say. But game is phenomenal. Game is brilliant. It's, it's the most game of the year. And uh, I guess we'll see how things shake out when it comes to the, the game awards and everything. But Huge, huge fan. Um, question from Steve who says, "Do you know what it is? But Deftones have stole my heart this year. Yes, I know I'm late to the party, but they're insane." That said, what are our takes on Deftones and what band has swept us off our feet across 2023? Mm, now, good... mine is what you would call George Ezra on with riffs, <laughs> which is Sleep Token. <laughs> I love me some Sleep Token, but you can't deny the uh, the isms in uh, Vessel's voice. <laughs>
0: Scott, I love you. Um, I just, I... I don't see, I don't see it with the Sleep Token. Guys, oh, I can't I can't I get get it. Um
1: You gotta but, worship mate.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, Deftones opinions I, there's kind of like a of band that I've really ever gotten into this but always been like kind of like a cursory. i like oh, Deftones are on. I like that. I'm not gonna like mm. like fully commit to it or whatever, but Same. like you know. Same. I'm enjoying them. Like, in terms of bands... I'll shout
1: out, though, just to just to mm-hmm. throw in the Deftones pile. Because, yeah, I've never been... I I've never got that on board with Chino Marino's vocals. Like, I, I get the vibe. But for me, it's all about the riffs. I'm I'm a... Lyrics are last person. I'm all about composition, instrumentation, riffs, whatever. So, I'll shout out Swerve City. Um, I forget what the... It's from Koino Yokan. I think that came out in, like, 2013-ish. Um, but that is a bouncy, riff-ass song.
0: I mean, in terms of bands that have, like, blown me away this year, I've not really been... I'm I'm I hate my memory recall is so bad now um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but what I will say is that, like I, uh, I've just disc- I made some old discoveries this year. I rewatched a movie called Midnight Run um, at the beginning of the year, which great movie. If you haven't watched it already? It's um, it's directed by the fellow who did um, Beverly Hills Cop. It's a, a kind of like a, oh, yeah. it's a comedy movie with Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. It's fantastic. Joey Pants is in it too. Um, and uh, the soundtrack was done by uh, Danny Elfman. Um, and they have a song at the end of it called Try to Believe which is by his band Oingo Boingo and that kind of set me off on a massive Oingo Boingo deep dive and now That's I, great. I love Oingo Boingo I've been I've, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed <laughs> I
1: didn't even know that was a thing Daniel has a band called Oingo Boingo yeah, yeah, yeah. Oingo Boingo okay. and, the, and
0: Scott let me tell you the music really does oing and boing um <laughs> <laughs> they did this they did the the song for Weird Science as well, which is kinda of like a banger. Um but Dead Man's Party, that's like a fantastic private life. They've they've got some mm. really, really, really good songs um that I would definitely recommend checking out.
1: Yeah, I noticed this morning as well, just speaking of music. So, we use our music channel, but we haven't got many outlets for it. So, if I get the opportunity to talk about music, I'll take it. There's a new Bring Me the Horizon song today, and Spirit Box Woo! have new stuff as well. So, just all of those who celebrate those bands, there's a new Beartooth album as well. Go check that, uh, those things out. Last question from Jack Jingle, who says recently watched a video which really struck home the importance of mental health awareness. Um, he linked it as well. So, I went over and checked it out. It's on the Norwich City Football Club channel. Um, they did it for Mental Health Awareness Day. Um, and Jingle says, Do you find that gaming boosts your mental health? It's long since been A happy, escapist place for me when things feel overwhelming. Um, me and you talked about this a little bit, and I think it's it's one of those things where when I was younger, I've talked on the podcast quite a little, quite a bit before about how I was bullied loads in first school, middle school, things like that. Very, you know, very much feeling. Like you don't matter, very much feeling small, and uh, it's only when you get older that you can articulate that stuff in retrospect. And I think for me, I gravitated to games and getting lost in games and the escapism of them because of all that. Because it did give me agency and it gave me, um you know, ways to interact with worlds that I didn't have for for years and years. Now I had a social circle, I still had friends and everything, but it's just one of those things where your your self worth just doesn't it just isn't there. But you're not fully aware of it until you get a bit older and you you think back on it. Um, So for me, I think it's one of those things where, especially we were mentioning music before, a lot of people cite bands and go, oh, I wouldn't have got through school without this band or I wouldn't have got through this part of my life without this mine it's all gaming for that i think in terms of the a general stability or something um letting me get lost in another world was essential for me to be here to be honest um but yeah i still back that though i think it's like sometimes you just need a game to get lost in and like i'm loving the emergence of the cozy genre the farming games and things that are like that um i think sometimes when you have a really big day um or a stressful day you can just get lost in a set of mechanics and there's some there is something about just letting go of, of literal reality for a bit um, that at least I've always found to be like hugely replenishing.
0: Yeah, I need mean, I need to echo your sentiments there. Like definitely, kind of similar journey for me with video games when I was younger. It'd be kind of mm. like. Um... It was like a great thing that I got to do with my dad growing up and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, as a teenager, we had the great golden age of like the seventh console generation, which was just fantastic to live through being a teenager and not having to worry about like work or responsibilities or anything. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously yeah, there was school and stuff, which my GCSEs and A-levels weren't uh, weren't best pleased with. But, you know, going through all that, <laughs> like that was, that was fantastic. I think for me now, it's like um, there are certain games that I go to. Quite a bit and get heavily invested in. Um, like I've, I've spoken before about how much I'm into Hell Let Loose. I actually haven't played much of that mm. in the past month because I have been so busy. Uh, for partially for embargo related reasons that will become clear yep. next week. Um, but you know that's like a big thing for me. I enjoy that. I enjoy the social aspect of gaming. Um, I enjoy finding communities online that aren't toxic and awful. Hell Let Loose is a great example of that. For the most <laughs> part, I feel it's one of those games where it's kind of like Dark Souls where there's so much like unfair death in it that you'll just kind of laugh along with it like it'll be there in prox chat and it's funny because the way the prox chat is is done that you'll hear someone far away and they're really quiet and they'll get closer to you and they're much louder so you'll be there as a medic and like on the beaches of omaha or whatever and you'll hear a guy being like medic medic," and you walk over (laughs) to him and you'll try and revive him and then next thing you know there's like a a tank shell that has blown him up in front of you and you're like just covered in blood or whatever there's something very funny about that and it'll work well for people or not i think for me now Mm -hmm. gaming is mostly like a ceremonial thing at times where i'm like if i'm really in the headspace to do it I'll um I'll I'll get the blankets out. I'll get cozy. I'll get the I'll get the the gamer juice, which in my choice is uh, Pepsi Max, or so I'll get a few brews in or whatever. Oh, such a shame. Um, get some snacks or whatever, and try not to grub up the controller too much, and just sit down and have like a nice little. Sesh, I find it very difficult to game during the week now. I don't know about you. Like, I feel like yeah. when I come back from work sometimes, I have, obviously, need to cook, and you have, like, all the different house chores to do and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like by the time that I'm settled down, I'm ready to actually have a gaming sesh. It's, like, 8, 9 o'clock, which doesn't really leave you that much time because I don't want to stay up until stupid o'clock in the morning. And I feel mm-hmm. like at that point, if I'm gaming, it's, like, almost like revenge bedtime procrastination and I'm putting off going to sleep or whatever. So for me mm-hmm. it's like I tend to do it on the weekends now and that's if I don't have as much going on. Um but definitely mm-hmm. yeah like it's still it's still a source of, you know, encouragement when it's not, you know, frustrating me or whatever. And it's just it's just nice to yeah. play with your mates as well because like I've got friends all over the country who I don't get to see very often. I'm originally from Liverpool so I have a lot of mates back there. I've got my my family in Glasgow as well. Um mates who live in in Cumbria so gaming is kind of an opportunity to just hang out with the boys again and like talk mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, game, I think quite a lot of people have that.
1: Yeah, gaming is very good. People have that thing where it is a way to just have like a, like the lobby chat or the chat in general is just a way to reconnect. It's like rather than just have a, a phone call or a DM or whatever. So like we might as well have a couple of games or something and we can catch up that way. Um, I think that stuff is really like is understated is how effective that can be um, in, like, maintaining those relationships and everything. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's... Um, in terms of how much I'm playing, like, I, like I'm like i playing my Switch on the train, like, on the way to work. I'm hopping back on the Switch on the way home. I love having a train game so I can get through something. Um, train like, Cazillion, in those little yeah, I should play Train Simulator on the way. Um, but yeah, I like having those little stints. And then it's like, like you said, that idea of it being like a little, like a ceremonial thing. Like, I'm going to treat myself to this specific thing. Um, the other week, like looking forward to uh, Mario Wonder coming out, I was like, I'm going to order a cheeseburger. And I'm just going to like sit with a glass of Coke and a cheeseburger and play a bunch of Mario. And um, I think sometimes in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm doing that. And it's like, it's like too much of like a set piece thing where I'm like, oh, it's almost like an Instagram photo or something, which isn't being taken, but it feels like that. But sometimes if you get that right and it's genuine, it's like, nah, this is great. Like you're just getting lost in it for a bit. You know, I'm going to worry about anything else because dusting can just leave me alone. I don't need to be dusting. <sighs>
0: dust, man. <There> was... <sighs> it's just... I... Oh, man. <laughs> dusting, this sucks. Why does dust have to get everywhere? And mate, whatever you do, don't get, get any kids listening, don't get Lego. Because they all, get... <laughs> it's impossible to dust, man. It's... I'm not even oh, got yeah. a here yeah. anywhere, but yeah, like dust. Oh god, I hate dust, especially the kind it's of such- like sticky dust you know sticky dust yeah. where it's kind of like a little bit clumpy and it's like oh you need to spray <laughs> you as well to get you to get you to, to come off the like, surface like is it a spider
1: is it a, is it a weird little tumbleweed of dust that's sort of gathered in one of the corners you missed and it's
0: even more just... annoying now with our with our increasingly finicky consoles that demand to be mm. cleaned so regularly it's like oh please don't. meanwhile the Giga Chad Xbox underneath the corner <laughs> overheating and getting dusty it's like I'm still drinking
1: <laughs> the Series X it turns itself on to clean itself out at random times and I think it's, I, I think i've got it turned on some setting that lets it do that but i'll just Wait, randomly hear X, it on your
0: xbox can go and it like sheds all the dust or whatever yeah it just sort of just like a little poof like a, in the like corner a, like a chicken has gone down into the vent and the bloom of feathers is coming out
1: yeah yeah like it's it's not like it's quite like a calm it's not like that powerful but it does sort of it does a thing that cleans itself out every sort of i don't know a few weeks my or something. I mean, maybe it depends how my much my
0: playstation doesn't it. do that all it does is just go Eh, sometimes I'm like I tell you what around.
1: sucks with PlayStation you know in the DualSense how um, obviously the standard way you would hold a controller mm-hmm. behind where your fingers hold like because they have all those little divots because the, the design on the DualSense is all full of the symbols PlayStation symbols that's not a nice little set of divots oh, you know good. when all of us sort of realised that there was like gunk in between the oh, little are you gun- cracks are you gunking on... I'm, a, I'm a gunky boy yeah. but like all the stuff on the, the side of a regular controller yeah, yeah. it's that big that big loin uh, loin big long <laughs> line big between the casing and I think it's uh, not necessarily that it's worse on a dual sense, but it, it gathers, man. I've not looked in there.
0: I mean, I'm, t- I'm afraid to I, I'm telling
1: time. you, after this podcast, you should every single person listening to my voice right now should oh. go check the back of your jewel sense for gunk. You will find it. World of Goo. It came out in 2014. It's still going. We are the World of
0: Goo. <laughs> Let <letting> me <you> know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get one of those little. Those little rubbery things where you can, like, it clings stuff, but then it'll, your yeah, is so be some, you'll just, yeah, I think it's going to be some
1: solution to this or something, yeah. And, um, but you know, on, on that note, this has been the entitled part of the podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UNBP And a massive thank you to Ewan for helping out with this in general. Also, a massive thank you to all of you for sending in your various questions and talking points. I've been Scott Tilford, that's been Ewan Patterson. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>